Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Coffee Break Podcast. These are short podcasts for you to listen to at a coffee break. Developed to give you some quick ideas on how to help you build your desk and business. Now, over to Adrian Mansfield, the Million Pound Biller for today's Coffee Break Podcast. Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Podcast. I'm Adrian Mansfield, and in my 20 plus years in recruitment, I've had a number of million pound years. I've worked in most of the major recruitment markets and in all sales roles within a recruitment agency. I've also run my own company and set up companies both in the UK and in several international locations. Recruitment has given me the opportunity to travel the world and see some of the best and worst places on offer, from Australia to Afghanistan and many more in between. The Million Pound Biller podcast offers those at any level in recruitment tips and ideas from me and my contacts, both inside and outside recruitment, but all from the coalface. Information and ideas that can be taken back to your day-to-day careers and put you on the path to a million pound year. The cornerstone of my success over the years has been my willingness to learn and develop my skills, something I still do every day. Now I'm offering you some of my ideas and thoughts that will allow you to squeeze the most out of your recruitment career, no matter what level you're at and where you're aiming for. Every journey, even one to a million pounds, starts with a single step. So let's take that first step together. Welcome back to another week of the Million Pound Villa podcast. I have to admit that to be missing my old UAE haunts this week as the weather there turns to a much more palatable level and the weather here in the UK gets that wet feeling. Still, there are a wide range of benefits of being here in the UK, not least the way the markets are at the moment. It seems that all client companies are hiring. Every recruitment company is offering huge sums to consultants to join them. I don't know of a recruitment company that isn't hiring at the moment, it seems. In other news, we've put out a new interview this week. I spoke to Nick Cramp, who is a business coach and author of the book Better, Not Bigger. I highly recommend that you take the time to listen to the interview with Nick, if for no other reason than his amazing analogy of the dog sled and huskies, which is perhaps the best business analogy I've heard in a long time. However, it's back to the hot recruitment market for my first topic this week. And it's one I've covered before, but I do feel that it's very opportune at this time of year, that of moving to another company, or perhaps taking that step out on your own. If you've come to that decision to leave your current business, for whatever reasons that decision has been made, it can often be very tempting, especially in the current market, to jump straight into another employed role, perhaps with a bigger basic and perhaps in a new market or a new company who operates in a new space. I'm often spoken to by consultants who are looking to make the leap into the UAE, for example, and perhaps for that sort of move, then the employed model would be the best as it gives you security whilst you're setting yourself up in a new location. Equally, if you're looking to attack a whole new market, Again, the employed route may well be the best method to look at. However, if you're simply jumping to a new role in a similar company and to operate in the same market as you are now, then I think you need to be sure that the move is the best way to go. I encourage the consultants I speak to about this to look deeply at the issues that they have with their current employer. What is it that is driving you to move? What is it the reasons that you want to leave? They often say things like pay or commission, or perhaps the working structure. Sometimes it's due to the management structure or even the method in their current company. Whatever those reasons are, you need to be 100% sure that moving to a new business, you won't find the same issues there in three, six, nine, or 12 months. And perhaps just as the market moves again, you'll find yourself without options to move again. Quite apart from how it may look on a CV if you bounce in and out of a role. It doesn't do you any good either. So perhaps you may want to consider the idea that rather than trying to see if the grass is greener elsewhere, it may be better to grow the grass yourself and strike out on your own. Sure, this too has its risks, but it's a great deal more upsides too. I've discussed them before in this podcast, so please go back and have a listen to some of them again. But let's say you decide to make the leap. What things do you need to think about? What do you need to work on in those first days of your new company? I believe there are three main areas that people talk about. 
Number one, clients. This may sound obvious, but this has to be number one. Who will you work with and how? Will it be permanent or contract? What sector and skills? The key here is to go as niche as possible. Even if you're working with a wide desk in your employed role, go niche on day one of your own business. Review the market you work in now. What is it, the one area that everyone needs? What's that one role that you know you can sell to any client that works in that market? And what is the hardest to fill post out there? Frankly, that's your niche. Believe me, if you're going to focus, then focusing on the thing everyone wants is a great place to start. Point two to focus on is candidates. Okay, so you know your niche? Then get started on finding the candidates. Sure, you're going to work in a tough space, but you now own that space. And any person who works in that area is going to hear from you and is going to hear your name and be spoken to you in one way or another over the first month or two. Your goal is to become the go-to person for that niche as quickly as possible, because once you get to that point, then the income will really start to grow. Point three, everything else, outsource or find ways to put off. Now, this may sound silly, but the whole process of setting up and running your company, doing your accounts, setting up the website, emails, bank accounts, are just time sinks. When I ran my own company for the first year, I spent 60 or 70% of my time on these issues, and it wasn't until I offloaded most of the tasks to a great PA that I was able to truly focus on growing the business. In my second year, we took the business from 130k turnover to over a million. I still get daily emails from some supplier or other looking to sell me a service, and in some cases, they could be a useful option. But just by taking the time to review their material, I've taken away my focus from that key goal, making the sales. Now, I'm not saying that most of this other stuff isn't important. You need VAT registration and company formation stuff just to trade, but none of it will pay the bills. And when you're working for yourself, paying for the bills is job number one. Folks, factor in some costs for support. Perhaps an accountant can get you up and running formally. And there are sites like Fiverr that can get you a website, or even a basic one from GoDaddy or Squarespace will do. The key is to focus on jobs one and two and avoid any time in box three, at least for the first 12 months. If you do that and you work your niche, I'm sure you'll be very pleasantly surprised how good the results are. I spoke to one business owner last month who had done just this and now has an annual turnover of just over £350,000, most of which they take home as personal income. And they work about 20 hours a week, all of which is client and candidate focused. Not a bad position to be in after 18 months on their own. So moving on to topic two for this week, and this links to the above, but also to an interview I had with Mike Pagan some weeks ago and the remains of people to download on our podcast channel. Those of you listening may remember that Mike is a coach and works on the idea of mental wealth. He suggests that we, as business people, need a strong group around us to help with our mental well-being, our mental wealth, as he puts it. I won't go back over the interview and how we go about creating that pool, as Mike talked about it at length in the podcast. However, I've been doing this process myself over the last month. I went through my needs and those of my business, and I worked out from my own list of contacts and friends who I felt could provide me the best team around me. Don't get me wrong, I've not written off all of my other friends, and I know all I ignore all my other contacts, but rather I've built a virtual team around me that I can now go to with my questions, queries, and issues. And those people are both aware of my processes and goals, and more importantly, are happy to spend time with me reviewing and discussing where I am on my plan. I took time this month to reach out to those who I want to be part of that group. I spoke to each one of them about what I was doing, why I was doing it, and what I would like them to help me with. I also asked them if, A, there was anything I could help them with in return. Perhaps I could be part of a similar group for them or one of their contacts. And B, if they are going to be part of my group, what's the best format for contacting them was, whether that's email, a call, or WhatsApp, for example. The whole process took about six weeks from start to finish, but I fully believe it will be time very well spent. One of the biggest issues we face in the current climate is feeling that we're working alone. Sure, working from home has some real benefits, but it also has a large drawback. We as a species are social animals. 
Sure, we can work alone, but we work better in teams and in groups. It's one of the big factors to why humans became the dominant species on our planet. But when you strike out alone or when you're constantly working from home, you lose that team dynamic and that interaction. By putting together my mental wealth team, I've recreated that team dynamic for a modern era. And they're all on Team Adria. And this doesn't mean to say they will all be simply cheerleaders, though I do have a few in the group for whom that is their main task, the family and partner, for example. But others are there to challenge me and to make me think. They are there to ask the tough questions, but also from a position of Team Adrian. So they're asking those tough questions for my benefit and for my benefit alone. It's been a great process to get to this point and I look forward to taking it forward into the next 12 months. And of course, I'll report back as a how I progress and what the positives and negatives have been of the process as a whole. But that's it for another week. As always, please like and leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts as it helps us to find more people. And also, please keep an eye out on our social media. We're at Million Pound Biller. In the coming weeks, there are big changes afoot, and I hope it will be beneficial to all of you. And if not, I look forward to hearing your comments and what we need to change. But until then, and until next week, enjoy the journey.